Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast episode 68. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Marketing That Converts podcast. And as you will hear, I've still not yet decided on my intro and outro. I promise you it's coming. It's just that because I'm batching so far ahead at the moment on the podcast, mainly because one of my team members, I don't know if I've mentioned this actually, but one of my team members, uh, she writes my show notes. So once I record the podcast, I then send it to someone to get edited. Once it's edited, it comes back and then it goes off to one of my team and she writes the show notes. And she's actually going off on a trip for about three and a half weeks, I think, because she's also a travel blogger and she does a lot of stuff on Instagram and she's got her business that she's running, but she also does some work for me, which is cool. In fact, as she does my show notes, she'll be listening to this. So I'm going to ask her in the show notes to put links to her stuff as well just so that you can go and take a look at her stuff if you want as well, because it is quite interesting. She does go to some amazing places, so well worth taking a look. Oh, anyway, her name's Kirsty. I didn't mention that. So because Kirsty's going away, I'm trying to batch content, which means I'm having to record quite far out, which means I'm yet to actually organise getting the intro and outro done, but it is coming and I'm still trying to decide what to do. And I think I'm swaying to the idea of me doing my own intro and outro, but we will see. Before I get on with today's content, I want to let you know about a couple of new things that I've produced for you to go and download if you would like. So as I think we've talked about before, the fact that the change has happened in the name of the podcast and some of the direction I'm going, my direction is expanding out into sort of the digital marketing space and looking at the kind of things where we take it a bit further than social media. So funnels and sales pages and webinars and all that cool stuff. It's not to say I'm not going to do the social media. I totally am. It's just, I want to be able to take you on a bit further. I want to help you in that journey past the social media. So because most of my content that's out there when I ask you for an email address is to do with social media, 
I wanted to create some new stuff that actually takes you on a bit further. So I've put together three different things. The first thing is all around list building, and it's five ideas to build your email list that you may be missing. So these are the ones that I see hardly anybody doing, but are really, really easy to do it. So if you are trying to build your email list, if you've dreamed of having an email list that will hang on your every word, then this is definitely the download for you. Like I said, I go into these five different places where people are really missing an opportunity to get people to sign up onto their email list and for you to help grow your email list quicker. The next one is all about my webinar blueprint. Now, back in March, I spoke at Atomicon and I walked people through my webinar process that I use while I'm on a webinar. And it covers a very specific number of steps and goes into very specific things. So I've put together my webinar blueprint so that you can follow it in terms of if you're doing a webinar, the things that you need to make sure you include. And actually, even if you're not doing a webinar, the cool thing about the blueprint is if you're selling, it's still going to be helpful because there are certain steps there that even if I was selling a product or service not on a webinar, that I would still probably include. And then the next thing that I've created, which all of these kind of follow on from each other, which is intentional, is focused around your sales pages. And it's covering the 10 things that you must include on a sales page that are going to ensure that you can maximize your results and obviously increase your conversions. So again, I go into example and give you pro tips as you go along in terms of all the different things that you should include on that page, which you can then take to your own page and see what are you missing? What have you got? So if you want any of these things, I am going to link to them in the show notes. But basically, if you go to TeresaHeathWaring.com forward slash and then put any one of these three words after, you're going to find them. So if you put forward slash blueprint, you'll get the webinar blueprint. If you put forward slash sales page, you'll get the 10 things that you must do on a sales page. And if you put forward slash list building, you're going to get those ideas that most people miss when building their email list. So if these are of interest, then please head along to there and check them out. Anyway, today I wanted to talk about something that I mention all the time. And as I was scanning back through my podcast episodes, trying to decide what I was going to talk about in this episode, I noticed that I haven't actually ever done an episode on it. So today's episode is going to be all around understanding your audience and creating your perfect avatar. Now, I can promise you, if I've got a pound for every time I've ever talked about how you must know your audience and understand who they are, and I don't just mean are they male or female, what age, what location, I mean really understand them. Honestly, I would be a millionaire by now because I say it all the time. And the reason I say it all the time is because it's so important And it's something that so many people miss. And you might even be sat there in your car or getting ready in the morning, doing the dinner, whatever it is you do, however you listen to the podcast, you might be sat there thinking, oh, Therese, we know all this and I know who my customer is. But honestly, I promise you, bear with me, go through this episode with me, listen to what I have to say, and then do the exercise because it really is so important. I honestly have seen campaigns be made or broken by how well they got to know their audience. I want to give you a couple of little um, examples I've got. So when I talk about really going deep and understanding your audience, I'm talking about 
well, we'll get to see that in more detail a bit later on. But basically, I'm saying that you need to understand, you know, what they do at the weekend, how they spend their time, what type of people they are. And I did an advertising campaign once for a government authority who were trying to target women over 50 who were looking for a promotion at work. Now, that is a really difficult thing to try and target. How on earth could I possibly know as a marketer when someone is ready to try and get a promotion at work? It was impossible. So we tried various different things on Facebook ads, trying to target them. And then we started to really profile the audience. And there were some real commonalities between them and ones that you wouldn't necessarily associate with what we were trying to achieve. But one of the things that was quite common with most of the women we were trying to target was that they had actually downloaded and played on Candy Crush, which seems like such a ridiculous thing to target people on. But we'd done our research and we knew who the customer was and we'd found out stuff like this. So we changed the ad, we looked at our targeting, we included things like they have Candy Crush and the advert was like doubly effective as it was previously. Just because we added in this one seemingly crazy element, it seemed to suddenly make a really big difference. So that's why I want you to understand that actually not only does it enable you to target them better, but also when we write to those audience, and I don't mean write as in we'll send them a letter, I mean when we do emails and sales pages and websites, when you present on stage or you speak to them in person, when you know who you're speaking to, your targeting and your connection with them is going to be so much better. So you're going to be able to speak to them in the language they use and understand, and you're going to be able to relate with them really, really well. So it really is crucial for you to understand who your customer is. Now, when I was preparing the information on this, because actually this is part of my course online that's about content creation. So I have a content creation made simple course and in it it has various modules. And the first module is around knowing your customer avatar and your audience. And when I was putting that together, I was researching and looking and doing various things And I came across a quote by Jeff Bezos. Is it Bezos? I think it's Bezos. Anyway, he is the founder of Amazon. And his quote says, the most important single thing is to focus obsessively on the customer. Our goal is to be the Earth's most customer-centric company. Which, in my mind, if a company as big as Amazon are realising that they need to understand and get under the skin of their customer then really the rest of us have no choice but to follow. Because if they realise that they've got to know who they're speaking to and they've got to know who they're serving, then we have to do that too. And do you know what? There's no excuse. There's no, it's not like you need to pay a big research company or look at big expensive research about customer groups. This is so easy. The stuff I'm going to help you with is literally stuff that you can do tomorrow that doesn't cost anything but some time. And I promise you will make a world of difference. So the first mistake that most people make when they are trying to find out who their customer is, is they basically make assumptions and they're assuming they know exactly who their customer is or who the customer they want in their head is. Now, what they're not doing is they're not looking at who necessarily they're serving at that point, who has already bought their product or service. So they're not going back and looking at those people. And also they're not looking at 
who they're marketing or their current language or their website is currently attracting. Because if you're getting the wrong type of customer come to you, then you're not putting the right stuff out there to attract the right people. So like I said, this is a time where we don't presume we know things. We go right back to basics and I do this too. And we start asking the most obvious questions. Now, one of the first places you can look in terms of trying to understand who that customer is, is like I said, your existing customer base. But you want to ask yourself a couple of questions while you're doing that. The first question you want to ask yourself is, do I like working with these people? Are these people the people I want to get more of? Or are they ideally not the people I want to work with going forward? Also, the product or service that you're offering in the future or going forward, is that still appropriate to that audience? So I have a perfect example in my own business. When I first started the business, I started an agency where we would physically do things for businesses. So we would take on their social media, we'd send emails for them. And that agency obviously got a load of customers. And when I looked at my new part of the business going forward, i.e., more of the speaking, more of the online marketing, as in I want people to buy products and services from me online so that I can reach bigger audiences and I can help more people. They weren't the right people. My current customer base were not the customers that I was trying to attract going forward. So like I said, it's really helpful to look at who you've got as a customer, but I want you to bear those things in mind. Now, ideally, you're going to pick someone that you're already working with that is going to be perfect you must have them. Customers that you think, I'm sure if I had 10 of these, my life would be a dream. So if that is the case, then great. Also, the other thing I do at this point, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before because it's ringing a bell, is that when I decided that I wanted to work with a different type of audience, I thought I'd got in my head the type of audience I wanted to work with, but because it was a fairly newer one, I wanted to be sure that they were right. So I actually went and approached a number of people who, one, were either previous customers or, but I felt they still fit with the new new style stuff that I wanted to do, or they were people that I'd never worked with, but I felt that they were probably my avatar that I was looking for. So I contacted these people in person and I said to them, would you please come on a Zoom call with me and can I interview you and record that Zoom call and ask you some questions about your business and about how you feel about your business and that sort of thing. Now, I offered them an incentive. I think that's really important. If you're going to take someone's time, some people were just lovely and would have wanted to do it anyway. But if you really want to make this work, then you might want to offer an incentive. And I get them on a call with me and I ask them questions and I had questions ready. And they were questions around things like, how did they feel about their business? If I could wave a magic wand for them, how would their business look? What's the one thing they hate doing? What's the thing they love doing? what do they struggle with the most? All those kind of questions, because mine was obviously around how they're marketing their business. And I wanted to understand that more. And the reason I recorded the call was because when you take notes, now this might just be me, might not be you. So, you know, if it's not, don't worry. But when I take notes, well, one, I can't read my notes half the time. I'm a nightmare. But two, I either do half sentences or I write the words that I'm thinking not necessarily the words they're saying. So for instance, they might have said, I'm so overwhelmed by the amount of time social media takes up. And I might have abbreviated it to um, too much time on social media. 
However, the word that they used that was so important was overwhelm. And if I want to connect with them going forward, that's probably the word I need to use. So that's why recording the calls was great. The other thing that's great is if you're working with a copywriter on any of your sales pages, landing pages, websites, whatever it is, then again, it can be really useful for them to hear actually what your audience is saying rather than what you're surmising. So anyway, those are the types of things I did. And also I asked them other questions, just kind of general questions about who they were and what they did and that sort of thing. So once I had done this interview, I was able to then start to create my avatar. Now, when you think about your avatar, there are a couple of things I want you to think about. The first thing is the kind of basic stuff. So I do want you to think about, are they male or female? How old are they? Are they married? Do they have children? Um, if it's important, is there an education level that they might have got to? Where do they live? What job do they do? Maybe what salary they're on? And I want you to think about kind of those things. So obviously that's going to be your main kind of background slash demographic stuff. Okay. So that's the first section. Oh, and by the way, probably should have said this at the beginning, I have got a download that you can get, which obviously I'm going to put in the show notes. So TeresaHeathWaring.com forward slash 68. If you go there, you'll be able to get a download of this worksheet that you can then fill out for yourself. And it has all the headings that I'm about to go through. So you don't need to worry about writing them down if you're busy. So like I said, first section, background and demographic. Those are where you put your basic stuff that I've just talked through. The next section I want you to think about is behaviors, motivations and aspirations. Okay. Now this might sound a little bit deep and a little bit kind of like, why do I need to know these things? But I promise you it's really, really important because if you can start to understand those things, you can start to really kind of deep dive in on that person and, and know how to connect with them. Then the next section, and I'm going to give you an example of this and what I've written up. The next section that I want you to look at is their pain points. And what I mean by pain points is what's the problem that they've got that your product or service solve? So what's the issue that they're having? And I don't mean, um, so for instance, when someone asks me to do some training on social media or wants one-to-one -one consultancy, they don't ask me because they want to be a genius on Facebook ads. They ask because they want more sales. Now, if I told them they had to go out in the street and wear a sandwich board and that would get them all the sales and the results they wanted, then they'd probably do that. So their pain point isn't necessarily, the pain isn't they want training or they want consultancy. The pain is they want more sales or they want to build their email list or their funnel isn't working or whatever it is. And then the last section we're going to be going through is how I meet their needs. So once you've discovered their pain points, you're going to then look at the product or service that you're offering and how that fixes those things that they've got a problem with. Okay. So those are the things that I want you to think about. And I'm going to give you an example of one I've come up with to show you the kind of detail I go into. But before I do that, I just want to cover two points. Firstly, you can have more than one avatar in a business. So you can have more than one customer profile. So obviously I offer varying different products. And one of my products is one-to-one -one consultancy, which obviously is my most expensive thing that I offer. And then I have a content creation course, which is probably one of the cheapest ways that you can work with me at sort of £97. So for me, there are various offers in between or will be and various different things we do in between. And then obviously we have the agency. So I don't just have one avatar. I have multiple avatars, but I know which ones are for which products. 
The second thing I want to say is that once you've created your avatar, there are always going to be exceptions to the rule. So for instance, let's say I tell you that my ideal customer is 40 to 50. You might say, well, you've got a customer that's 55. Well, yeah, okay, that's cool. However, what is the most likely customer? What is the the person that is most likely to be the person that's going to use my service? There are always going to be people that are exceptions to the rule, like I said. So you're going to have people that don't exactly meet your criteria that you've come up with your avatar. However, when you're thinking of your avatar, you really need to try and pinpoint as ideally as possible. So I don't want you thinking, well, my customer base can actually be 18 to 65. I'd really want you to go, but who's more likely to buy that product or service? So that's the way I want you to think about this going forward. So the first thing I do is I give them a name. This really helps when I'm writing emails. This really helps when I'm writing copy for sales pages or websites, because I literally imagine talking to this person. I even have a picture of what this person might look like, just Googled on the internet, you know, what might this person look like? And actually, if you have got the ideal customer, then feel free to use them as their name and their picture. So I imagine that this person's called Nikki. Okay, so Nikki, in my background and demographics, I have noted that Nikki's a female and she's based either in the UK, Australia or America. She's aged between 35 and 55. She's married and has older children or no children. Financially, she's stable via probably a partner, but they're not super wealthy, but they're doing fine. And she's had her own business between one and three years. So that's the kind of demographic information that I've put together about Nikki. So let's move on to her behaviours and motivations and aspirations. So after talking to Nikki, and this is a person that I've spoken to, she has a passion that she wants to turn into a business. So for her, this tended to be something that she just loved doing and thought, you know what, I want to do a business where I get to do this every day. Or she was encouraged by friends and family who said to her, do you know what, you're brilliant at this. Why don't you go into business about it? So she really does want to do something for herself. And although the business is okay, she really doesn't know how to grow it. She follows and supports other local businesses and she does network, but she gets really nervous when meeting new people. And overall, she lacks confidence in her business skills. So she knows she's good at the things she does, but she really doubts herself when it comes to the business and her own self-belief. So Hopefully that gives you an idea of the sort of thing that I understood by having conversations with these people, that that was an area of, or those were the areas that actually they were struggling with. So it really gave me a really good idea about them and the people they are and what they're trying to do. So the next point is the pain points. So this is where you need to identify the issues that they've got in their business that you're going to then be able to help with. So for this avatar that I've created as as an example, Nikki really lacks self-doubt. She doesn't think she's good enough. She's worried her business will fail and she's not making enough money or she doesn't have enough people in her pipeline as in new customers coming through. And she gets overwhelmed with everything she should be doing in her business. So those are the pains that she's got right now. And of course, another pain is that she'll have to give up the business altogether and go and get a job. Now, they might be really extreme and you might be sat there thinking, really, you know, is that their pain? But actually, that's what it leads to. So I'm not trying to dramatize it or overplay it. 
But in all honesty, those were the kind of thoughts that were going through people's heads when I spoke to them. So once you've understood their pain points, the things that they got really frustrated about, they're struggling with, and no, none of these things were to do with social media. None of these things were to do with coming up with content. None of these things were to do with how do I use Facebook? It was all much bigger than that. So in terms of how I meet their needs or how a service I could offer could meet their needs, in the next section, I included things like I could develop their skills and provide them with tools to help them grow their business. I could help them increase their followers and their tribe and their prospects, which will help them convert more sales and therefore obviously fill up that pipeline that they're missing. I can teach them how to manage their time on social media so they're never overwhelmed again. And I can prove to them and everyone else that they are an expert in their field and that they have something to value and offer to the world. So again, I'm not sat there going, I've got a course creation course you can do. I can offer you one-to-one consultancy. We can just do your social media if you want it in the agency. I'm not mentioning any of those things at all, but I'm looking at the services that I offer and I'm flipping them around and going, what would that mean to them and what difference would that make to them? So to really help you with this, I want to give you another example. So I'm going to give you an example as if it was someone for the agency. I know lots of you are social media people. I have lots of virtual assistants and that sort of thing. So I'm going to give an example from a kind of agency point of view or bringing on a a business that way. Now, listen, I don't have this example written down in front of me. So we are flying by the seat of our pants. So I'm literally doing this off the top of my head. Let's see how we go. Okay. So background and demographic information. So for me, for the agency, if I think about this, the avatar is going to be predominantly male. They tend to be 45 plus. They do have older children and a family, but they don't talk about it a whole lot. It's not really that important in our conversations, often just to kind of nod to the fact of how the family. They have a good business that they've grown over time, and they also now have a team. And their business is probably five plus years old. They're not on social media themselves, or if they are, they probably just dabble in a little bit of it, but they feel a little bit left behind. So from a behaviours and motivation and aspiration point of view, they want to grow their business, but they really at this point are not looking for loads of stress or hustle or whatever. They're trying to grow their business in a nice way without loads of stress. They know that they have to do social media even if they don't want to. And in some cases they really don't want to, but they do understand that it's an important part of business and they need to do it. They don't like the fact that they don't understand it and they really don't want to be treated like an idiot. So even though they're not interested in the ins and outs of it, they want you to be able to treat them and give them the respect that they are an intelligent business person and therefore tell them what they need to know, but don't go into too much detail. They are comfortable with the marketing that they've done to date, but they do know they've got to move forward. And if they do put themselves on social media or if their business does focus on this, they want to look really good and they want to make sure it's a good presence. So their pain points are pretty clear. They are struggling with the fact that they know they need to be on social media, but because they don't know enough, they don't want to give it to one of their team members or someone in the business because they can't effectively manage them because they don't know what it is they're meant to be doing. They also have no time, as well as the fact they have no interest to actually learn it, but they have no time to go and try and understand this. Their other pain point is they're feeling like they're a little bit, not 
past it. <laughs> that sounds dreadful. Um, but they're feeling like they've almost missed the boat on it. Like this is a new thing. It's not for them to have to think about. And therefore they really want to be able to trust someone else to do it. And they don't know what constitutes as a good result. So even if they did get someone inside to do it and one of the team members manage their social media, they have no idea whether actually that's a good result or not. And like I said, they're time-wise, they really are not that interested in trying to learn it. They want to know they've got someone they can trust to do this social media for them and be able to report back knowing that the results are worth the effort. So in terms of then how I would meet their needs with a product, it would be things like I would take all that stress and worry off them and all the time constraints off them and we would manage it fully in-house. Being an expert, they don't need to worry that we don't know what we're doing and also that we're going to be able to report back and tell them how successful this is for them. They won't need to worry that their business isn't being well represented because of the quality of the service we put out. And when we work with them, we give them just as much information as they need so that they understand it without overwhelming them with the details. So I'm really hoping those two examples have given you a really clearer idea on when you're looking at your avatar and how you break that down and how you come up with those points. So for instance, if I was going to be marketing to my agency example that I just gave you, I would be talking about the fact of trusted, saving time, don't need to worry about it going wrong, we give reports. I'd be including all those things that answered those pain points. So like I said, it really is important to understand that customer. And don't forget, your customer can be more than one avatar. So for instance, if you are selling holidays, it might be that you have holidays that are appropriate for couples who don't want children around and like luxury, and that you have family holidays that you're offering to families and therefore they're more interested in, is there stuff for the kids to do and is it safe? So our priorities, even when we're buying the same product, our priorities are very different. And that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of when we're doing this exercise. So I really hope that you've understood what I've said. I really hope that you're able to take this on as your your own and think about these examples for you and your customers, because I promise you this is going to make a big, big difference in terms of going forward and how you market and speak to those customers. So I hope that's been helpful this week. Again, there's no outro, so I could tell you to go and check out my website because I think that's what used to be on the other one, TeresaHeathWearing.com. You can find everything there. And also, don't forget to come and find me on social media. I'm often on Instagram and I love receiving your Instagram stories of you listening to the podcast. So don't forget to tag me in them so I can share them on my profile as well. So until next week, have a wonderful week.